everyone, and welcome to this afternoon's Meet the Artist interview, and my goodness, it's the last one for the 2016 season, and we have mixed feelings about that. Um, welcome to the War Memorial Opera House here in San Francisco. This is Sunday, May 8th, 2016, and incidentally, it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Happy Mother's Day, if it applies. Um, I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet. And of course, I'm delighted that you're all here. I'm also welcoming anyone who happens to be listening uh, via the internet, the website, podcast at a future date, which is one of the things that's so much fun about these interviews that we do, is you can go back to them and enjoy them later. I am always so pleased when I draw this straw that is being able to be in conversation with Patty Fitzpatrick. Patty is um, a fixture here at San Francisco Ballet. I don't know how the dancers would get on stage without her. And your role is, your, your official title... As the woman's head of wardrobe. And you have been in the wardrobe department here at San Francisco Ballet with maybe a break or two for a long time. 31 years. So she's dressed a lot of dancers. And I thought, you know what, that's a good place to start. Would you take us behind this, the curtain and downstairs and just describe the wardrobe department? Well, the wardrobe department in the opera house here is uh, qu quite extensive. We have um, a, a, a woman's side and a men's side that uh, provides the dancers with all of their dressing rooms. So it, the costuming and the maintenance and uh, the fittings, the uh, wigs and makeup application and everything takes place downstairs, but all of their dressing rooms are located on each individual side uh, for three floors. So there's, there's three floors of dressing rooms, and I would say that anybody that has to check on everyone before or during a performance has no problem getting their 10,000 steps a day in. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> also, it keeps the dancers really warm and limber because they're running up and down the stairs all the time. So um, it's distributed throughout, throughout the building, but where, where initially it all, it all comes together is down in the wardrobe room. And we have um, a sewing room that's uh, where the costumes are uh, either constructed or uh, remade or maintained on a daily basis during the season. And in the off season, which is interesting, a lot of people don't know, we, uh, we break for the month of June, but we come back in July and we immediately start on next year's season. So um, in the month of August, we'll be fitting all of um, Cinderella and many of the other ballets that we'll be doing. Uh, when we have the castings so that we can get a head start on doing any of the maintenance and alterations that are required because once the season opens, you're, you're right in the throes of it where you're um, uh, moving the costumes around, which I brought an example of, of what it's like when you have 
different sized dancers and you have to adjust the costumes that you have. Um, and uh, there's also every performance, there's always a, a great deal of laundry. We have a full laundry department with um, like four or five big washing machines, a drying room that dries the costumes in between shows, which is 100 degrees. And so all of the clothing that they wear on their bodies, the tights and the t-shirts and the cravats and everything all gets laundered after every show. That's a department all of itself. All of itself. We have a full-time laundry person who's absolutely amazing, Robert Horak. And, the, um, and, then, and then, as soon as the laundry is done, the, uh, the dressers in each of the respective departments has to go and collect all the laundry and then reset the racks, depending on who's going to be dancing that night. And so then they have to check their list and see, uh, compare it to the main list, which we've pretty much documented early on in the, in the year, who's going to wear what costume. Um, and then they can figure it out. And a lot of times, someone's put in quite at the last minute that, that doesn't really fit into any of the costumes. <laughs> so then what do you do? <laughs> that's when your problem-solving techniques come in. So then we have to all sit around and sort of brainstorm and say, well, if we move two of the costumes up, maybe the shortest girl could actually wear this, you know, and there's only a, like a four or five inch difference in their heights. But five inches is, that's plenty when you're that is, lining up ankles. Right, and also for the men when it comes to the jackets, um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of things that are hidden techniques that we have, which is like Velcro in the sleeves where you can actually lift the cuffs and adjust them so that they can accommodate someone with a shorter or longer sleeve. And also the, it, the peplums can be lowered or shortened depending on um, who's dancing. So these are all the little tricks that we have. And this particular production is a rental. Yeah. And so... Uh, it requires doing a minimum amount of changing on the original set of costumes that were built for the National Ballet of Canada. So we have to take that into consideration where when it's our production, I, I, I give it some thought, but if I have to change it drastically, uh, I will. You know, I'll, I'll go in there and really, really change it because I'll worry about it the next time we do it. But <laughs> this, isn't a this isn't a luxury when you're renting a production, so. When you um, either build your own or rent a production, we always have a minimum of three and sometimes as many as six principal dancers. Uh, do, are there actually individual costumes for size differences? In other words, how many sugar plum tutus do you actually have? Uh, we have four, and I think we have five um, uh, of like the, the Napa, the ballerina, but um, in a case like that, there may be as many as seven at Nutcracker that will be doing that. And so what we do is that they're interchangeable, and you, um, the, the bodices button onto the tutus in the case of the sugar plum. Um, and so you, maybe 
two top goes with four two two and four top goes with one two two and you have combinations and our principal dresser Musette Trace who's been here for as long as I have and uh, she has a formula where her in her notes she's got everybody's combination and usually we measure them as well um, so that we have a quick reference in, in case we have to refer to something as far as the, the length of the bodice or maybe the, um, the uh, girth, which would be affected depending on how long your body is, not how long your legs are. One of the things that um, I've learned over the years is there are basically two main categories. One is you get a new ballet and you're going to make new costumes. And I know that in some cases that happens right here, and in some cases it happens in a costume shop on the other side of the world. Um, and then in the other cases when you get a production like Onegin and you have to do adapting. Back up to the first one, when you're actually building the costumes or, or you're going to be dealing with new costumes, how does that progress? What steps are taken when you have to start from scratch? Uh, what, generally, it starts with the uh, choreographer and the designer, and they collaborate together, and the designer looks, comes maybe to rehearsal and looks at the ballet and sees what, what uh, vein and the, the, they're going in and what he wants the costumes or she wants the costumes to look like. And then uh, they, they go do their sketches and things. And then um, if it's something that we're going to build, then the, uh, we would have a, an interim person that would be, or uh, the person that would, um, a Kate Share is the person that's over the, the wardrobe and the wig and the makeup department that would receive any of that information that has to do with the designs and the contracts and setting up the schedules for the fittings, helping with, um, to talk and collaborate about the uh, selection of the fabrics, if it's something that's practical or if it's not practical, at least voicing our opinion in, in one way or another. And, uh, it, and, and then a lot of times it would be that the, the person that's designing it may actually be building it, but may end up doing a lot of it here like the Mark Zappone. He'll, he'll build a lot of it at Pacific Northwest Ballet where he works, but they'll come down and they'll do the second fittings and then finish it all here. And then um, in the Countenance of Kings, what we had is that um, Ellen designed the costumes and she's a former New York City Ballet dancer. Um, she also uh, did them at at her, her location in Oregon, but brought them here. And then we provide a staff of stitchers that will help finish it. Because a lot of times it's easier with the dancer's schedule rather than flying back and forth to just sit down for a week or two and, and do the finishing touch. If it's, an, if it's a ballet that, has, that we can actually make from scratch, then we will look at um, all, all that's involved in it usually requires more time than than they have to give us, which is why we have to a lot of times say no, that it has to be taken to a proper costume shop, because there's a lot of other things that we've planned that we're in the process of doing. How many ballets are in a season that you have to be in Deal with charge of? It's it's, it's, not, it's like 26 or 28. 
ballets, um, just about, in, in eight programs. A lot of the, some of the ballets have four, I mean, some of the programs have four ballets <laughs> or three ballets, maybe one, one of those might just be a pas de deux, but one of them might have uh, 28 dancers on stage. Yeah. So there's a, a real variety of, right. of costume, uh, and we have to take all that into consideration when planning our crew. And uh, we have a basic crew of men and women, like four men and three women. And that, that is because there has to be a dresser on each floor um, to accommodate it. And then from there, we, we will add. So there might be as many as 12 dressers each for Nutcracker or Swan Lake. Um, or in this particular case, maybe we'll have like uh, four, four women and, and six men, depending on how spread out right. they are. Let's move to your um, examples that you brought us. You have stories to tell about each of these things. Well, Can I help hold? This is, this is the skirt. This is the skirt from the third act, Ball Gown of Tatiana, today that you'll see. And the reason that I brought this out is because um, what we'll do is that a lot of the dancers, they'll have to have a different skirt depending on their height. And so they all, like three of them, may all share the same bodice, but there might be two or three different skirt lengths that have to be changed every performance. And so this is how we have it, and we do basting stitches here to indicate where they go for each dancer. And then um, they're, uh, they're quite full and, and have lots and lots of layers that... Um, that after the performance, before the next one dances, you have to go through and check all these layers because this is where they'll get caught or somebody will catch, you know, step on it or something like that. And then it'll have a tendency to pull out underneath where it isn't even visible. So this is, this is how they, uh, they're, all, they're separate and then they're, they're stitched together when we find out who's gonna dance. So this is the third act ball today. So presumably that one belongs to dancer who is not dancing this afternoon. Uh, right. Actually, the la the uh, uh, Miss uh, Fuste and Miss Zahorian wear the same costume, and this is the longer skirt that goes onto their bodice, and so um, we have a little bit shorter. It's just like two inches, but it makes a difference, you know, uh, yeah. on how they are. And, and National Ballet of Canada sent us like four, four different sets of costumes. They're, um, a couple of, of their, their dancers, some of them are quite tall. And so they'll, they're, they're mostly are long in the bodice, long in the skirts. And we, we haven't been using those, uh, those sets. Yeah, We've just yeah. been really using the two sets kind of and mixing them up for Miss um, Tan and Kachakova and Fuste and Zorian. Ha, okay, so now so we have to choose. This, I brought these out just to explain that um, when, we're, when we are during the season doing productions and stuff like that, we're also working on other things in the wardrobe department. So right now we're working on the tour to Iceland and I've been working on the student showcase for the last few months. And so it's a matter of gathering all the costumes together and finding out um, if there's a choreographer that's doing a new work for the student showcase, we have to pull together a variety of our existing costumes and then present them in a new way, in a new look. And then those fittings all have to be done 
and all of those alterations have to be done. So maybe the next two weeks before the showcase opens, we'll be tying all that up. We've been doing that all along. So um, it's, it's almost behind us. But um, in a case, I, it was just kind of a funny example that uh, they, they decided to do, um, it, it's like a, a, a Le Corsaire with three of the girls in this showcase. And we have um, two existing Corsair costumes, which wasn't enough. So I pulled from our Sleeping Beauty tutus, our little lilacs, and here, wait, I'm gonna get that hanger. <laughs> That's okay. So what we've done, um, I've pulled the little lilacs because we had several to choose from and fit them into this. So they'll be doing Le Corsair in the Sleeping Beauty lilac tutus, which some may recognize, but maybe not. And that works just fine. But we're also sending the pas de deux for two different dancers to Iceland right at exactly the same time. They'll be on a plane and we'll be unloading at Yerba Buena. So. <laughs> What I've done <laughs> is that we uh, pulled another tutu from Sleeping Beauty, which is the diamond tutu, and this will be accessorized more in the fashion of Corsair, which is not quite as jeweled here, but m maybe with a different variety of colors of beads, which is usually blue and gold as well. And then right now, a new pair of the men's pants are being made in uh, by, by West in the um, wardrobe department, who's an amazing costume maker, and he is um, constructing those uh, trousers right now so that uh, that male dancer will be able to dance with either this one or the gold and white one with, which Miss Kachakova has chosen to wear so that they're wearing two different ones. So it sounds as though you have... Um, <laughs> A lot to keep track of. A very <laughs> practical, very thrifty um, practice <laughs> that over They're the very years you have. resilient. <laughs> they, well, they would have to be. What they have to put up with on stage and the handling and the partnering and the lifts. And they and the, last for 20, you know, 20 and 30 years. We amazing. take them out 30 years later and rewash them and mount them up there and get them on stage again. Well, what was just occurring to me is, in your mind, and I know there are a couple of others in the wardrobe department that have the same long history and probably have the same kind of mind, but they, as you say, come to you, the school showcase, and says, this is what we're doing, we need our dancers to look like this, and your little internal Rolodex starts going over what's in the warehouse, and up it, it comes. That's just amazing. Uh, and even the dancers that go guesting too, they, they'll go and do a, a pas de deux or, or, or a few on their layoff and they always want something that kind of looks like because we don't rent out the costumes from some of our, uh, our full length ballets. And so you have to come up with something that kind of looks like um, and uh, bring in a variety of things for them to choose and not, uh, not even to take into consideration if it's going to fit or not, but anyway. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I think it would be kind of fun for us to just review quickly how you even got into this business. Oh, um, I, I've heard this story, so. Uh, it was uh, back in August of 1983. 
August of 1983. Uh, the company was on tour in Italy and Israel, and a friend of mine that I skated with in Ice Follies, where I was a professional ice skater, um, was working for the ballet at the warehouse doing Resurrecting Stars and Stripes. And she wanted to work on a film. And so that was, movies were new in San Francisco, fairly new. She wanted to go work on the film and she called and asked me if I would come out and take over where she left off uh, because of my sewing skills. And, uh, and I said, sure. And there's another long, complicated story that goes with that, but um, I'm not gonna go, go into that. Uh, and so anyway, I went out and I took over, and then when uh, George Elvin, that's still here, and Pat Bivens, who's no longer with us, um, came back, I started to work with them on, on a more regular basis. And so um, that began the long journey of being in wardrobe and dressing and doing costumes and apprenticing mm -hmm. and all of that. Well, you sort of slid over the fact that you were a professional ice skater with the Ice Follies and that you, I seem to remember you're saying that you've sewn your own costumes to some extent. When we were here, well, I grew up in San Francisco, so um, we used to skate at the Emporium uh, downtown now at the city center, upstairs on the roof, they had Santa Claus and the roof rides, and they had this little pink ice surface that was like a postage stamp. And when I was like 12 to 17, I performed in the Christmas shows there. And so that's when I began designing and making my own costumes for skating and doing all the beading and everything. So it, it was something that I really had a passion for, as well as all my prom dresses and things like that. So when I went into Ice Valleys and eventually Holiday on Ice and Holiday on Ice in Europe, I, I just kept like designing and making things for uh, uh, fellow cast members and things um, on an original basis, just to keep my hand in. So. It was something I never thought I would do. I never thought I'd be able to come and work backstage after being a performer. But it's funny, when you have a break and you go and work in like retail management, you think, ah, oh, the stage is really nice. <laughs> I think, <laughs> and the theater people that you're used to and the passion that they have, because some other jobs and things like that are kind of, I don't know, this is more like a family. It's really nice to be here. We do have a few minutes that we can take your questions, and I do want to give you fair warning, as most of you know, the folks who are getting ready for the performance are pretty strict about cutting us off, so it isn't that I don't want to take your questions. I've just been loving listening to what Patty has to say, that your hand went up first. When you rent a production, how far in advance do you get the costumes before opening night? Um, I guess we, we usually get them uh, as soon as we can, a, a lot of times. If we, if we can get them three or four months in advance, we will, we will ask for them. It, it all has to be set up by the, uh, the production department, the technical, depart technical director. Um, as to the traveling and if there's people here to unload it. We can, we can hold it in our warehouse. We have a huge warehouse. But in, in this particular case, we had a very short window where the costumes came to us 
sometimes they're flown from another company that's renting it, and maybe we'll only have two weeks, which is um, which can be uh, well. You just do a lot of preparation in advance if you can. Wow. Um, okay, you're. That's a fabulous question. The costumes look so elaborate. What do you do in your world to make what the dancers are wearing danceable? Well, there's, um, if, if we have control over it, <laughs> that's one thing. In this particular case, because they've come from somewhere else, they can say, please take the petticoats out. Please make them lighter. I, you know, it's very difficult to dance, and, there's, and I can't. I can't, they just have to, they'll have to do it. We provide them with rehearsal costumes a lot of times that mimic the, the, the silhouette uh, of the costume so they can get used to it in advance. Um, and uh, we will always try to work with the designer in advance in selecting fabrics that are lighter and easier to move in. You know, there's, there's secret ways. You can put in secret stretch panels, like for the men and their doublets, and um, in the women, you know, you, you'll try to do it, like I said, with the buttonhole elastic and giving them more room in, the, in their ribcage and stuff like that. But, um, Generally, it, it really comes from the original designs. You kind of have to incorporate it then, which means that when a costume shop is used to creating dance costumes, um, they will always take that into consideration. And National Ballet of Canada is, is right on site for, the, for their dance company, so they're very knowledgeable in how to make it and so that the costumes are worn with ease and comfort. So many hands over here. Yeah. Does San Francisco Ballet rent out any of their costumes and productions? Yes, we do. We have several uh, productions that we rent out, and that's another part of our job. George and I is to continually um, maintain and pack and organize and ship them and then check them all over when they come back. There's ones that we do that are uh, quite, quite often, it'd be like the concert and you know, Carnival of the Animals and uh, Western Symphony. Uh, there's, there's a lot of them that are going out to c companies all over the, all over the country. Well, I've just been given the word that it's time for us to wrap up. I am so sorry. I want to thank you all for being a great audience this season. I want to thank Patty for being our guest and wrapping up what has been a wild and wonderful season for you all. Yes. And we look forward to seeing you all next year. Thank you very much.